Hello, hello. Here we are, Brave Enough, the My Story Project podcast, with me, your host, Sam Crawley. I'm a citizen of corporate America, recovering alcoholic, father of four, and a selfish, prideful man in progress. The My Story Project is a collection of folks just like you and me that have struggled, or are still struggling. But somehow, these ordinary people have found a way to enjoy life and have fun, right in the thick of all their struggles. We're building a community here, and we're available to connect with you online. We're real people overcoming real struggles. Each episode, we'll have a chance to listen to a story, and then I'll dig a little deeper with them. We'll unpack their battle, their experience, how they came out of it, and where they are now. We're peeling back the layers of our stories so we can help you be brave enough to change yours. Gina Dalton. Gina, how you doing? I'm doing very well. All right, Gina. So we had a chance to dig into the brain of your husband. That didn't take long, did it? It was actually, it was a fantastic ride. (laughs) And it it was a a very thorough journey into Mike's brain. (laughs) No, it was an awesome chance to sit down and just talk with Mike. We talked a little bit about the adoptions. We got a chance to talk a bit about you guys, you know, high school sweethearts getting married, a little younger when you got married, and some of your challenges you had when you first decided you were going to start a family. We even talked a bit about your missionary training that you were undergoing. So let's start with you and how you were raised. Did you grow up in a house where faith was present? Did you go to church or... Very much so. My mom was definitely the leader of the family in that aspect. Dad went Christmas and Easter until I was probably 20 before he actually started. Oh, wow. So your dad literally would only go like the high, oh, yeah. holy days yeah. or whatnot. That was it. Yeah. But your mom was there every Sunday every, with, with the kids. If the doors were open, we were there. Huh. So, and then when I started dating Mike, he was Baptist. You know, he we discussed that. He was more, he just said he went to your church and really liked it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, this has been missing. So, yeah. so Oh, it was fun. <laughs> if you weren't used to it. You had I a like, good time. I like how you phrase that, though. He knew, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the ultimatum was yeah, there. that was it. So <laughs> when you're growing up and your father isn't going every Sunday, was there ever any contention in the house over that? Not really. That was just the way it was. Just the way it was. Yeah, that was just, he would have said he was a true believer. Was there anything um, in particular that led to him starting to go? It or? was when Mike and I went on the missions trip. Oh, wow. When we were leaving, he realized, hey, they really do have something, and Maybe I better check this out. And oh, wow. That's pretty, so that's that's really pretty impactful. What, yeah, it was. It was. And then he just had a true love of the Lord that we were all a little bit envious of because we had struggled, you know, to stay close to God our entire life. And he just kind of stepped into it. And <laughs> Yeah, boom, right there. Boom, yeah. That's very impactful because here you are with this heart for missions. You guys were looking at going out to South, South Africa into the mission field, and here you are. And, like, at the end of the day, kind of playing missionary to your own father, bringing him in and lighting a fire in his faith, accomplishing missions left and right. (laughs) (laughs) Never even thought of it like that. So (laughs) So Mike and I talked a little bit. He was telling me you guys were in your training and you didn't feel right and Mm -hmm. felt so off that you ultimately ended up going into the emergency room and basically kind of had the greatest news and some of the worst news delivered all at one fell swoop. Can you tell us a little bit about that from your perspective? We were, you know, doing the the training to be on the missions field and had no clue I could possibly be pregnant. We had tried for so long, it just was not even a thought in my head. So then when I figured out, yeah, that might be what was happening, it was exciting to think, hey, I did get pregnant, but then to lose it that quickly, um, it was hard. Yeah. And we 
stayed. We didn't come home. We went ahead and stayed and had great support from the other missionaries. But And then went ahead and went to London to do our, the rest of our training and just thinking, well, maybe the time we get to Africa, we'll have luck again or whatever. But then the that all kind of fell through for different reasons. But um, it was it was one of those bittersweet things. Even the doctor said, at least now you know you can get pregnant. But it was a real shock to just out of the blue like that. And we, when we talked about, you know, when you guys were trying to get pregnant and you're going through this period where you were unfortunately dealing with the miscarriages and how we're not... And once again, I want to clarify because I didn't want to come across saying, hey, a miscarriage is a horrible thing for anyone to have to go through. Mm-hmm. But you were had the added challenge of you were having miscarriages that were actually even more extreme in the effect on your health to where right. it was a real threat to you to conceive, it sounded like. Right. The next two were ectopic pregnancies. Yeah. So in the first one, I'd actually had the first symptoms on a Thursday and just still oblivious, thinking, can't be pregnant, that's not what it is, and went ahead and drove myself four hours to go away for the weekend, and it wasn't until that Monday night in a restaurant that my hearing left, and I was with a girlfriend, and I said, what's wrong when you can't hear anymore? And then I ended up in the ambulance. So you literally just couldn't hear? Couldn't hear. Hearing left, because I'd lost so much blood, and next thing I'm on the floor in the restaurant, very embarrassing. And they took me to the hospital, and the last words I heard was the doctor saying, we can't wait on the nurse. We're losing her. So um, I just about bled out. So you actually remember hearing that word? Yep, that's the last I heard was, we're losing her. So when I did wake up, it was pretty amazing. I just... Yeah, what's that? I mean, can you even describe the emotions going through your head? Again, terrified, but got pregnant again. (laughs) Here we go again. But then I thought, well, this is it. I've lost that tube. This is... It's over. But then they said, oh, you can probably get pregnant again in the other tube, and it'll be fine. You've only got a 23% chance of this happening again. (laughs) A year later, it happens again. So with that one, it was a done deal. There were no more pregnancies to be had. So it was almost a relief. By that time, we had Jenna Lee. We had adopted one. So. um, Oh, so this continued after your first adoption? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you were like, hey, she was a year old. this path has worked out just fine, right. and the, the risk is, right. the reward it, can be there without that exactly. risk, I guess, because you've experienced it. And it was it. a relief. It was like, you know, you're not going to think every month, is this one viable, or is my health at risk, or whatever. No, when you, I, so I just still have in my brain when you said the last thing you heard mm-hmm. was, we're going to lose her. Now, the only thing I can think of, what that reminds me of is like, you get when I got my wisdom teeth out, you know, they're like, hey, they're, the, ju- the du- doctor made a joke. Uh-huh. And apparently then I was out. But then I immediately I woke up and yet yeah, it had been however long. But it, to me, it felt like instant. Right. When I woke up. So that was the same thing I'm assuming for you or no. How's that feel when you wake up on the other end? Did it feel like time had elapsed or? Yeah, it felt like a little time elapsed. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if it was the same with <laughs> anesthesia as it was when you're like bleeding out. Yeah, you know? I wasn't re- really even sure where I was. Yeah. Um, I was having all the reactions to the medicine. Oh, my parents were there. Mike was trying to get there because he was three hours away, and it was a terrifying time. How about when you're at that point where you have it happen again, you've adopted Jenna Lee, where are you in your faith? What are your thoughts with God, your conversations at that point? What's going through your brain when, when you're— A little bit of anger that—because at that point, all your friends are getting pregnant. Yeah. Everybody's having normal births, and you're not. Yeah. So there is a little bit, you know, you, 
I would be lying if I said, no, I just had complete faith the whole time. No, that's not true. Yeah. You're always questioning why me, you know, you're so happy to have this child. It doesn't really matter how she got here. But I would have loved to have gone through the process of pregnancy and given birth. And luckily I had, I've been to, I guess, nine different births now. Friends and relatives have been gracious enough to just say, oh, come on in. You come in. You come in. (laughs) I can take a mean picture, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) But I've got to see two of my grandkids born. I mean, things like that have made up for that. Well, that's pretty cool. It is cool. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I appreciate your honesty, and I know the audience does as well, because I I can't imagine any other way when you're you're a human being, when you're sitting there. I was, um, I told Mike, my best friend I grew up with, he's like a brother to me, um, he's adopted his children and I always think of his wife. I know that's something that she's like, you know, it's a bummer. But at yeah. the end of the day. Your so, child is your child. It doesn't really yeah. matter how they get here. Well, then that's something that stuck out in your My Story video when you talk about the first time you held. I believe it was Jenna Lee. You were talking mm-hmm. about the first time you held her um, and how it was, you, you actually addressed that. People ask, hey, if you're an adoptive parent, you know, does it, do you love them right away? And you're like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You put the baby in your and I had a chance to talk with Mike a little bit about that, and we shared, you know, the father side, which I think is, I don't say different, but I do feel like most dads, I know when we talk, honestly, it's like you get the kid and you're like, oh, you got that. Well, what am I going to do with this thing? Yeah. I got this kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, what they always use that phrase, fake it till you make it. It's uh-huh. like, oh, I love this kid. I do. I really do. <laughs> and eventually you love him. It yeah. does work out. <laughs> so I, that's the only thing I can think um, that keeps popping into my head. But so that's amazing. The baby comes there. Still the instant love. You go through that whole thing. Still a little bit of anger when you're being honest. What do you do at that point? How do you how do you get through that? Is it something you pray to get through? Does time just make it pass? Time heals all wounds. Yeah. I mean, that's you do just and you get busy with your your children and you just can't dwell on the past. That's true. Kids will they have a they have a way of right. um, <laughs> they have a way of saying. Remember when you used to be able to think things through? Nope, not anymore. Keep yeah. it moving. <laughs> We're moving on to the next step. You know, Gina, with your story and everything you've been through, while we're at this point in your story, what would you say to a young woman, a young couple that's struggling to get pregnant at this particular moment? Do you, I mean, any advice? What would you say? Just make the decision if you want to go the adoption route. Uh huh. It's work. And now I think it's even harder than when we went through it 20 to 30 years ago. Yeah, it's a It's, a it's lot. major. And you've got to decide financially how you're going to handle this. There's just a whole lot. But once you've made that decision, go for it with everything you've got. And just put your trust in God that he will see this through. But it is hard work. It's insane, the amount. And we had a chance on the podcast. We talked with Jamel Jones about his experience adopting out of foster care. I have the personal experience with my you know best friend. And I've like look, I remember him going through the paperwork process. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. I'm sitting there thinking the whole time when I was talking to Jamel, and when I talked to him, I kind of was feeling worthless about parent. Like at yeah. the end of the day, I'm like, it's unbelievable how much you have to want it, be fully mm-hmm. committed, and that's just the paperwork side right. of it. And that's not making light of it. It's insane the amount it that is. has to be done. They know everything about you and everyone in your family. I mean, they they dig deep. And I have friends that have been struggled with conceiving. They've gone through the miscarriage. Obviously, me sitting before you, a 40-some-year-old guy, I can't fathom what it's like to go through that. How about younger females if they're, when they're going through that? Do you think the rest of the world understands the loss and what that feeling's like for a woman? Not unless they've gone through it. No? 
No, I think people just really think a miscarriage is not anything big. Yeah, no big you'll, deal. You'll be fine. It's not, though. But it's not at all. No. No, you, you've lost a baby. Yeah. That's a tremendous loss mm-hmm. that has to be dealt with each time. Yep, absolutely. And the anniversary and everything, you're always thinking, I could have had another child. The baby would be yeah. this age every mm-hmm. year. And yeah. you had to experience this three times, correct? Three times. Which, on a positive note, when you talk about that in your video, that's pretty, it's pretty powerful when you talk about before you adopt your third child, uh-huh. how you had three babies in heaven, and you just always kind of felt like right. God was, there was going to be three. Absolutely. Because with the second, having a boy and a girl, all of her family, everyone said, you're done. Don't go through this again. And I just knew. I didn't know how or when or how, you know, where the baby was going to come from. But I kind of just knew. Yeah. And she really did just fall into our laps. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, I mean, that's amazing enough in its own right. Mm -hmm. And even with here you sit today, children grown, great kids, um, grandchildren. Yep, three. And do you still... With the the miscarriages and the loss, is that something that still comes up, or do you find that lessens through time? It with, lessens through time, but you still it's still there. You, th- you think the about date it. comes by, yeah. and you're like, "Hey, it would have been." Yeah, how old been. would that one have been now? And yeah, how many more grandkids would have had? And which, by no means, am I trying to right. you know beat that point, but I just think that's important for the audience out here. You know, we have a lot of guys that listen to the podcast, and I think it's important that it's people. Very important. I mean, yeah. to understand what mm-hmm. people go through, because I know. From the husband's perspective, I've had a lot of conversations with friends when they were going through this challenge, and it's tough, but you got to be—you have to be mindful because it's so right. much that a, a woman's going through when when you're doing that. And if you're committing to keeping trying mm-hmm. that route, you have to—I mean, you have to be willing to. It's just hard. Right. I don't know what else to say about it except I, I can't and imagine. The hormones play into that also with the woman that the man uh, is not experiencing. So no. it's just—it's hard for anyone else to understand. Yeah. If you had to have words of wisdom, what would you say to someone that's going through a grieving process when, they're, when they've experienced a miscarriage if they're still trying? Let yourself grieve. Take the time to heal. Don't just jump back in thinking this isn't anything. It is. And just turn to God because there's nobody else that can get you through it. But it does take time to yeah. get over it. I'm just, as I'm talking with you, I'm thinking of people that I have close relationships and thinking about them. When they're going through it, and I think that's probably a human, a pretty universal human trait, female, male, whatever it may be. Hey, I, I'm going to grind on through and try not to. So that's pretty powerful advice. And no one will open up to it. No one will approach yeah. it. It's just like yeah, they, close it just that door. Like it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. It is. Because I'm guilty of that when I know people that are going through it. But do you it, don't like, know, you don't want to open something up if, if they're covering it. Yeah. So it's, yeah, exactly. it's understandable. Yeah, like accept it because I think that advice goes across so many different things like anything when you have mm-hmm. loss like um, opening yourself up really giving your chance to process those emotions is so important otherwise it's going to go somewhere in you and it's going to that's true it's going to lead to trouble down the road so one of the things Mike and I talked about that I just thought was so cool from his perspective so I want to get your perspective on it okay and that is when Mike was actually able to deliver the news to you that you were having a baby, basically, right. which, you know, I, he's the first and only guy I know that's had that <laughs> opportunity. So um, I just thought that was pretty cool. So what was that like for you? My understanding is you were down at the, well, you're, the we're, retreat we're already. Uh-huh. Again, just so surprising because we were in the process, but one had already fallen through and we just weren't expecting it right then. 
and just so out of the blue, he shows up with, you know, balloons and flowers. And it was just such a cool experience because our friends were with us. We were at a church activity. They were able to announce it that night at the marriage retreat. Someone so was cool. already having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Pastor Martin said, man, yeah. this, is a, this is a smashing success. So it was just unique experience. And then I was able to do the same thing to him that's when what, Chandler came along. Yeah, he told me that. Yeah. Then you got to you got to return the favor. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's just such a cool story. And when you talk about the experience, like you said, you know, hey, you were angry. You're not going to you know, go through the process of being pregnant, birth, uh-huh. and all that. But at the end of the day, that's so unique and so special in its own right for you guys to have had that opportunity right. and do the, you know, not many. I mean, I've never encountered anybody else where the, the man had a chance right. and then you got to return the favor. That's just cool. You know, it goes some of the unique things that come out of the adoption process. No, you speaking of the adoption process, not only have you you adopted three children, but you adopted three children in com- three completely different ways. Exactly. Which I also don't know anybody that's done all three being different, mm-hmm. which there is a, a wild parallel between my best friend I grew up with and you guys because they did do the more traditional agency with their first one. And then the second one was more like your third adoption where they weren't even hadn't begun the process mm-hmm. again or were getting ready to begin the process. And it was like, boom, here's a opportunity. And that's their second child. So mm-hmm. it's uh, just amazing to me when the just going through the different ways and the array of emotions you had to feel as each one of these adoptions was taking place. Mm-hmm. So I guess I didn't talk with Mike too much about the the actual adoptions themselves. I think you guys covered a lot of it in the video. But I did want to talk with you a little bit about the processes themselves for Chandler and Juliana. Okay. Um, we did have a chance. Mike and I covered Jenna going through that process a little bit more. But with Chandler, can you tell me emotionally where you're at? You've adopted one child. Then after that, you made the ultimate decision. We're no longer trying for a biological child. So I'm imagining you're in a different place. How were you feeling emotionally at that point? It's almost like I replaced my frustrations and my anxiety of not getting pregnant right into a different arena. (laughs) It was like, I worried every step of the way with Chandler because um, we knew he was coming from Korea yeah. and we knew it would be difficult. But he ended up, he was such a preemie that we had to wait quite a while for him to get here. And then that was when Korea and the states were having some issues. So there was some political stuff going on. So it was just a constant, like, daily communication with the agency in Washington of was this going to happen? What did we need to do? to push this along because the politics were really getting into it and there was a chance that he wasn't going to get out of the country. Oh, wow. And then he ended up getting um, exposed to chicken pox and he didn't have chicken pox, but they didn't want to send him with the chance. So they were giving him like three more weeks to see if he'd break out. An air doctor here sent a letter saying that's ridiculous. Yes, chicken Just, pox, Yes, right? exactly. And then he got on the plane and started coughing. So they pulled him off. So it was every little thing that could possibly go wrong. I mean, a baby, a baby coughing. Yeah. yeah. That had to be so nerve wracking. Brutal. <clears throat> and where are you guys Just at this point? Are you here at the States? We're in Richmond. In the States? Yeah. So did you, you, you didn't go, you don't go to Korea. No, with Korea, you just go up to Washington and pick them up at the airport. Okay, which, is which why I, we I know in your that. video you address that, and I've, they have the little video of you mm-hmm. coming off, which is pretty awesome. Um, but I wasn't sure if you were coming off the plane. I guess I just wanted yeah. to clarify because I know some folks that have adopted like in Russia and stuff and right, some of them they go. go on a plane uh-huh. too. And they spend several weeks there. 
Well, that's weird. One of them said they had to like have cash. It's like they yeah. some, some of them they pay like it's actual cash that yes. they take over and like a, they bought like a special security belt <laughs> to put it in. I was like, that's a little unnerving. I hit to Russia with uh, cash in it, right? With cash strapped to my chest, like a uh, you know. But I guess you know. The but that's why we'd pick Korea because we knew they would fly in, and we wouldn't have to leave Jenna Lee. So I know that was um, – I want to dig in to where your emotions were at while you're sitting at the airport waiting a little bit deeper there. So, Well, you've seen the video. It wasn't we, a pretty picture. <laughs> it was a wreck. Well, we're going to wait until next time to really dig into okay. this. That's it for part three of my conversation with Mike and Gina Dalton. Be sure to join me next time when I have a chance to finish up talking with Gina about how the adoptions emotionally affected her and – Get her perspective on parenting her children and what being a grandparent's like. I thank you all for listening. And remember, when you're brave enough to face your ugly giants, you will receive the strength to triumph. And I want everybody out there to continue to ask yourself this question. Could my story be part of another story that's bigger than myself?